everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Life Lessons Podcast, the podcast that explores different people's journeys in life. As normal, I'm your host, Marcus Leeson, and today's episode, we continue with part two of Aiden Kwok's story. If you haven't listened to part one, where Aiden talks about the events and aftermath of his life-changing concussion, check out last week's episode. Otherwise, let's get started and hear about how he has bounced back from his incident and the things he has accomplished. So uh, I guess maybe stepping a little uh, away from this and onto, I guess, nowadays, or you were talking about, first of all, like, um, after this experience, you got into, uh, you applied to Bucks at UBC, mm-hmm. which I just realized uh, I never really explained, but for <laughs> those who are listening, uh, Bucks, I believe, stands for Business and CompSci, yeah. like B-U-C-S. Yeah. Uh, it's an it's a program offered here at UBC. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that than I can, but um, I guess you were saying at the beginning of this episode that uh, you wanted to do bucks and that was the only way you would do comp site. And then if not that you would do business. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your thought of, or like, what was your train of thought there? Because from what it sounds like you were just talking about, like you were so happy to make that app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would, talked about like the first book you picked up was like a coding and c book Mm -hmm. like what made you go all of a sudden like i want to do business and like talk to people (laughs) Mm -hmm. well i mean like uh like very seriously like i i was afraid of losing my joy for coding by turning it into a career and Mm -hmm. like my coding was a very much uh a um a life outside of my life at that time um Mm -hmm. uh the projects that I took on during high school were all smartphone related projects, but they weren't Mm -hmm. for developing apps that people could use. It was a Mm -hmm. lot more nerdy stuff along the lines of jailbreaking, you know, hacking into the phones to push the phone to its limits in terms of performance Mm and, uh, weird nerd stuff. But, uh, Mm -hmm. of course the only people you would ever find who knows a lot about that stuff are other people online and that's how they're connected. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I had a literal life outside of my life because um, my a lot of my real social life during my very troubling, like the most troubling portions of my high school life uh, was spent online, getting away mm-hmm. from, um, you know, uh, the like spending time online with people who really didn't know a lot about me or, or what my ongoing situation was. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I found like I found that very therapeutic to have that escape. Yeah. So it was a very serious thought uh, entering uh, my senior year that you know like maybe I'll let that continue to be what it is for me. Mm-hmm. That escape that I can mm-hmm. basically always come back to. But sure. um, uh, I, another part that I didn't consider as seriously was also mm-hmm. my marks. I was mm-hmm. very poor. Like, I was okay in academics, right, um, yeah. leading up to my injury. And uh, a lot of me not doing well in school, like, at, not doing well by the Asian standards is, is a B, yeah. right? But, okay. like, the, the Bs that I was responsible for uh, were because uh-huh. I didn't care enough to do mm-hmm. before my injury. After yeah. my injury, it became a very serious thing because maybe I really couldn't get higher oh. than a B even when I tried. And that's what it yeah. felt like at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because I had a lack of headspace, you know, um, 
I didn't put, I was, I really just didn't have the mental capacity to focus on so many different things, so many different subjects. I, all I wanted to do was focus on one thing because that's all I felt like I was capable of doing. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of it was towards my passion for coding. So oh. my marks were down the drain and like, there was no way I was going to get into a computer science program with my grade 11 marks my grade okay. 10 marks. And like, of mm -hmm. course, my grade nine marks are very skewed because I wasn't able to complete the rest of my classes. Um, yeah. But uh, that, that's a, like, with all that aside, like, um, when I was entering my senior year, my parents were, you know, um, you know, they didn't have very much expectations for me um, even then because they saw my struggle for all those previous years and they mm -hmm. were bracing for the potential struggles that I would go that I'd struggle with for, you know, the years to come. But mm -hmm. when I came to um, a decision that I was going to change my life in my senior year, um, that's when I really, uh, you know, um, pursued what my next chapter in life would be. I wanted to move mm -hmm. past from, you know, the, the, that broken version of me that I really mm -hmm. shouldn't have been chasing. I wanted mm -hmm. to be the next better version of me. And part of that was I, my academics improved a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't even spend that much time on it. It was just a change of mindset. Like what mm -hmm. I was spending my time on, I was um, one of, another one of my favorite sayings is I work smart, not hard. Yep. And it's, I, I, I was spending my time smarter, right? Uh, and like, I, you know, like I, I suck at times where like I'll work really hard for something and not amount mm -hmm. to much. And that's mm -hmm. what it felt like during my difficult years um, when I was struggling in school. But then mm -hmm. when I applied myself in a smarter way, in a more tactical way, um, mm -hmm. I was able to get through a lot more things. And uh, by then, it really seemed like, well, if I am to do computer science, which I love so much, the programming aspect of my life, um, if I really wanted to pursue that, I think the, the smartest way to do that would be through the Bucks program. Because mm. um, at least... Uh, if it doesn't pan out and I start to lose my joy of the computer science side anyways, then I can yeah. just fall back on the business side, right? Okay. Um, in terms of an academic standpoint, it's very easy to transition from the Bucks program to general commerce than mm -hmm. to go from computer science to business. Yeah, yeah, So. So, yeah. So, you st so actually, so going into university, you, you already did have that idea of like, I want to do comp sci, and right now I think Bucks is the best way to do it because it also gives me that pivot. Exactly. And I also don't necessarily have the grades to get into just normal comp sci. Exactly. But, oh, okay, and no, it's no. kind of funny because, you know, like um, the Bucks program, I'm surrounded by the smartest, hardest working people that I know. Like it's mm -hmm. a very competitive program, but um, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I can attribute my my uh my story to being a part of what led me to this program like the only reason i found out about this program was from a friend who was a year above me um mm -hmm. and uh he uh he saw like he has a very similar passion for like the geeky nerdy side of programming mm -hmm. and he saw yeah. part he saw that side of me um mm -hmm. past my inability to be an academic person and he's like, mm -hmm. this program would really fit you. And he was like, yeah. but trust me, like it's it's difficult. It's a difficult program to get into. Like the mm -hmm. like uh, solder and UBC in itself is already very difficult to get into. But mm -hmm. uh, he's like, um, the pro uh, to get into Bucks is a process after you get into UBC. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, he 
uh, for a, a few weeks, he did take me under his wing to really coach me through that process. And well, if this is what you really want, this is what you have to do to get it. And I mm-hmm. made sure that I did all, I ticked all those boxes in order to be able mm-hmm. to get to where I am now. So did you still end up enjoying the business courses and stuff? Or as you got into the Bucks program, you were just like, um, I'm uh, instead of pivoting into business, maybe I'm just going to stick into the comp sci side of things. You know, I, I kept my options really open because I had no idea. All I knew going into the program was computer science is a lot less programming than you think. And that is <laughs> such a true statement because yeah. there's a lot of like... For one thing, it's math, but it's the math without numbers. So it's like, it's all just letters at that point. You Uh know, like I wasn't an academic person to begin Uh with. So my work habits are not great, which is why I can't ever work hard in academics. I can only ever work Mm -hmm. smart to to get around my habit of procrastinating. But um, (laughs) I really wanted to keep my options open because if I didn't flourish in the computer side of things, you know, at least I'm learning it to further my passion. That's a hobby that I can fall back onto that's therapeutical. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if I start to do really well in it, then I'll continue pursuing it as a career and I can mm-hmm. flip a switch and maybe study the business side for fun. And I'm, I'm very thankful and blessed to say, like, that's my current outlook. Like, I'm very mm-hmm. happy that I have been able to uh, pass all my courses. Actually, that's not true. I, I did, I, like, I've had... <laughs> I, I failed a course. I'll put that out there. But like, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, all like in that journey, I did keep my options open, and um, uh-huh. I'm very thankful that my journey has led to me deciding that I'm gonna pursue the computer science portion um, mm. as my dream, as my career, because yeah. now that I've grown past the very difficult situation, that difficult mm-hmm. part of my life, I can rely on other things to be that therapeutical crutch for me as I move forward. And I, I really have found, like, new things since then. Okay. No, that's awesome to hear. Um, what kind of, I guess, sticking on the comp side stuff, like, mm-hmm. uh, I know, for example, you came up with that uh, recent phone app, uh, Dotios. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Oh, yeah, that's sorry. good, yeah. But I guess, um, I guess what other projects and stuff have you done as well as work experience? Um, I just guess to give you some background for myself mm-hmm. um my dad did comp sci both my brothers do comp sci i uh-huh. contemplate every day transferring into comp sci uh-huh. um so i guess i want to hear a little bit about what you've done as well as um this is more a question for me but mm-hmm. how much of the stuff do you think you found um you learned through school um often i often see on like youtube or just like online there's people who teach themselves how to code and Mm -hmm. as you said yourself you first started off like outside of school learning stuff on your own um Mm -hmm. how much realistically do you feel like you genuinely feel like you need a degree opposed to how much you think you could have just taught yourself man uh well sorry that was a lot of questions no i mean (laughs) like that a lot of what you said is something that like very many people like me do contemplate every day. Like, do we really need to spend this amount of money on school to be uh, doing what we do? The, the real answer <laughs> is no. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, but um, I, I look at my my journey through uh, learning to code since I was fourteen, um, mm-hmm. and. I did gain quite a few experiences around then. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. my projects were very nerdy. Um, mm-hmm. To be more specific, like the projects were on replacing the soft, the operating system of Android devices with something that you've mm-hmm. created on your own. So I wanted okay. to be running my own operating system also based on Android and putting that oh. on an Android phone. And uh-huh. 
by doing that, then you could build your own features, right? You could like mm. there's stuff like double tap to wake. This was way oh, before yeah. double tap, double tapping a phone screen to wake it up became even a thing. But people mm. like myself and others coded the, um, the like the the Linux kernel to be able to do that. Like it was it was mm -hmm. that sort of level of projects that I was enamored with all throughout high school. Um, I was also Holy really shit. focused on. Uh, um, I was pushing the limits of my phone, uh, mm -hmm. going back down to the Linux kernel level of things. Uh, it's very, in a very nerdy way, you can overclock phones and you can overclock the, the computing power of it, the graphics, uh, the GPU, the graphics uh, portion. Mm -hmm. You can even overclock like the storage in a way. That's a very bad way of putting it. But in lay terms, okay. essentially, you can push the limits of your phone through uh, these coding modifications that would essentially mm -hmm. ruin your phone, but it was really cool to tinker with. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I was very involved with. And I, as I matured a little bit um, in my programming, I realized that I loved being able to see what I made um, uh, flourish to life on something. So mm -hmm. my coding went from those, you know, those very hardware specific changes to changes on the phone where I was like, I wanted to replace an icon in the Android operating system with something that I came up on my own or something cool I found online. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, so my next project, uh, aside from those Linux kernel ones, uh, mm -hmm. was uh, part of a group called Carbon ROM. And uh, they were at the time a very well-known group of collaborators who created an operating system based off of Android called Carbon. And uh, mm -hmm. I was very involved in the scene. I talked to, you know, a lot of people who were uh, experts in that area. And it mm -hmm. was really cool because during that time, uh, are you familiar with, uh, with OnePlus phones? Um, not particularly, no. Okay. But so you, you this, can explain it. Yeah, this is a really, yeah. like, this is something that I, like, fell in love with, which was um, mm -hmm. OnePlus is a... They're a brand that makes Android smartphones still. Mm -hmm. But when they came out, they actually brought on a group of hackers like myself from a mm -hmm. different group called CyanogenMod and had them create the operating system for their phone. And that opened yeah. a gateway of things because it's like, oh, my gosh, they made it. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't like us hackers didn't even really think about that as the possibility of what could happen. And then the next thing mm -hmm. you know, like uh, uh, they that company OnePlus moved from CyanogenMod to signing another group from like they're called the Paranoid Android uh, team uh, to create their own in-house. And then when Razer when Razer started to uh, um, create phones, they mm -hmm. brought on some more people that I knew, and I was like, oh my gosh, like all of that is so cool to me. Um, uh -huh. But uh, that was around the time when I wanted to step away from those projects because. Uh, I wanted to go, for, I worked my way up the text, uh, I guess the, the level, the stack level, as they might call it, where I went from working sure. on things you couldn't see to working on things you could see, but in, in the operating mm -hmm. system. And then I really wanted to build apps. Okay, yeah. Um, so then my next set of projects were like uh, building experimental apps on my phone. Um, mm -hmm. and the first one, the real first app that uh, I made was actually for a company... No, actually, no, that's not true. The, the first app that I made was the first version of my app, Dodios, and I released that years ago. And oh, yeah. um, uh, that app, Dodios, uh, represents 
my journey from my concussion experience and mm. all the way up until then, like how far I had come since then. That's why I wanted mm. that version of Dadios to be. Um, and uh, that w- I created that after my first year of university. And as Ooh. much programming as I did, mm-hmm. th- like leading up to university, I became maybe two or three times the programmer that I was within my first two weeks of learning computer science in university. Oh. And that is because there were so many topics, uh, so many concepts that I had floating in my brain, and I could not put a word mm-hmm. to them or an, or an idea or a reason to them. But within mm-hmm. those first two weeks of university, um, that, that one course, Computer Science 110, uh, really gave me um, an idea of what all those things really were that I sort of knew, but just mm-hmm. didn't really know yet. And uh, as I continue to take courses in computer science, um, that continues to happen. There are a lot of things that I had learned all throughout my high school journey of programming that, you mm-hmm. know, um, that I just hadn't been, like, I just didn't have a fundamental understanding of yet. But learning yeah. it in university, it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Now, the people that I worked with on those Android projects, a lot of them don't come from computer science backgrounds. But they, like, like I mentioned, some of them were getting signed by like, phone companies out there to create the software for them. So it goes to show mm-hmm. that you don't really need to go into computer science. Mm-hmm. Now, if you wanted to work at, let's say, a Google or a Facebook as a software engineer and go through the traditional path of getting hired, then yeah. you need a computer science background. Or mm-hmm. at least it helps a lot. Otherwise, your resume won't even get picked up. Yeah. At the same mm-hmm. time... You can still learn all that you learn from a computer science degree on YouTube, mm-hmm. but uh, getting hired would be an entire different challenge. You would be able to mm-hmm. get hired at a company for sure, um, but uh, uh, if you're if someone's dream is to make it into a top tech company, going mm-hmm. through the traditional path of school makes a lot more sense. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, that's just definitely something I kind of think about where it's like. Uh, I mean, I don't have those kind of aspirations really to like be the best in the world. So mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, I, I kind of want to learn something new. And it's just like, uh, I could at least potentially see a career path in there. And it's just like, do I need to spend so yeah. much money and extra years to even just like dabble in some comp sci when really I could just look up some stuff. But at the same time, it's like, as you said, sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like sure sure you kind of loosely know an idea but until you're like formally told hey this is this you you got no clue right so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just really hard to find that kind of information yeah Um, it's true yeah but then yeah so what was your first job search like and how and what are you what's your like future since i'm assuming you're graduating this year not even close no okay i've got a ways to go (laughs) um but uh (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Like after my first semester of second year, I was mm-hmm. so burnt out from school. I said I'm either gonna take I'm either gonna take a gap semester or I'm gonna be working at a company. Hope and I was really hoping I'd 
I work for a company. Um, mm-hmm. But it's difficult, you know, coming out of first year and trying mm-hmm. to recruit for like if if I know people who recruited for first year and landed mm-hmm. an internship immediately after first year, those people are crazy yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, for me, it was uh, it was a really big uphill climb because a lot of companies they don't like hiring like 19, 20 year olds. They prefer to hire mm-hmm. the 21, 22 year olds because yeah. um, well, for one thing, is they're a lot more proficient. Like maybe they've already had one or two programming experiences uh, through internships projects but um, Mm. also like in courses like some courses do actually teach you programming in computer science and um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the upper year courses are very helpful for that so uh, for me I wanted my first uh, job to be related to mobile development because that was my passion all throughout Mm. high school Um, And I knew it wasn't going to be mobile development for the stuff I was nerdy, like the nerdy side of me was passionate about because they don't really hire (laughs) for that. They would hire for like app development. So I really was chasing app development as my first internship. Uh Um, I almost like I applied to so many companies, got rejected by almost all of them. I did a phone screen with one other company, got rejected, did another interview, got an offer to work for free for them declined it because <laughs> yeah like it was it was not like i wasn't gonna get anything out of it not not even like uh-huh. money wise like money wise was already uh-huh. out the drain but like i knew yeah. i wasn't gonna learn from that position mm-hmm. it wasn't wouldn't mm-hmm. be worth my four, four months of my time but um yeah. i eventually landed on a company that uh was in toronto like it was well respected um, okay. by some people that I knew and I asked those people and they were like oh hey I actually know people that work at that company let me talk to mm-hmm. them for, for you they didn't talk to them for me but I mean <laughs> it was a foot in the door that I brought up during the interview like hey I know this yeah. person and uh, mm-hmm. they uh, they took a chance on me because they did the technical interview they they like when I applied to them, there was a cover letter mm-hmm. aspect of like the application process, and mm-hmm. I wrote like the most like I couldn't read it now because it's so cringy to me. <laughs> but like that's really how I felt, right? Like I explained yeah. like I was I'm really in love with learning all of this stuff. I really mm-hmm. wanted to learn to be an Android developer. I feel like yeah. I have the tools to be able to do it, and I continue mm-hmm. to improve myself every day towards that ideal. And um, they got me to do a take-home project, uh, which was standard for their hiring procedure. And uh, I was like, well, I have no idea how to do this take-home project to begin with, but I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to do it as quick as possible because I'm not going to impress them with the way I do it because I'm definitely not going to do it the right way. (laughs) So I'll impress them with heart. And how could I impress them with heart? I did it as quickly as possible. And um, it still took me, like, eight hours to do it but uh so i submitted the project i put it together horribly um Uh but it worked (laughs) and that was an amazing (laughs) part of it (laughs) yeah that's all that mattered to me at least of course what matters to them is how i went about getting it to work because basically anybody could get it to work but um when like on completion of that project they invited me to a a proper technical interview that involved Mm -hmm. touching back on that project and yeah. they looked at the source code, and like one of them could like was basically laughing at it in a jokingly <laughs> manner because it was just yeah. so poor. Spaghetti but like code. I was laughing yeah. with them because I was like, "Yeah, uh-huh. I know it's garbage, <laughs> like, but it works." And they were like, yeah. "But they're like, you know, why we interviewed you? It's because we noticed that the 
I had published my source code for it for them to view, and they're like, "We saw you. Uh, we saw the work you put in. Like, like just looking at this. Uh, yeah, it is the code is not how you're supposed to do this. It is hot garbage, <laughs> but you managed to get it to work. And we saw that you were working till th- four or five in the morning to get this done. Because my eight-hour oh, yeah. stretch was th- all to the early morning because I really mm. wanted this job. And they're yeah. like, we could see that you really have heart to do this. And they're like, realistically, like for these intern positions, you know, we could we could hire anyone, as long as they have that will to learn, to persevere through learning what it takes to you know get to a level where you are proficient. And they mm-hmm. saw that in me, and they're like, so, for the like, I'm very blessed because I'm their first ever intern uh, for mm-hmm. software development. They they're like they like to use the term engineer, but the. They said, mm-hmm. I'm their first ever engineer intern who was hired without a previous internship experience. Damn. Um, That's how completely fresh. Um, it's impressive when I say that, oh. but it, it's, less, it's a lot less impressive when it's because like I put in garbage code and they're like, okay, this hey. kid has heart. But it, <laughs> no. I mean, still, like I was, like, I was so happy. Um, mm-hmm. And like I knew they were taking that chance on me. Like I knew oh. that they really, there was... The, the I talked to my recruiter afterwards. He said, like, yeah, 800 people hired were applied to that position, mm-hmm. and uh, out of all of them, like, they selected you. And I was like, yeah, there's got to yeah. be someone in that 800 <laughs> that probably did the project <laughs> properly at least. But um, they, yeah, they they really hired me because they saw my ambition, they saw my passion mm-hmm. for it, and um, they had that gut sense that I was gonna go somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my job offer was conditional. Uh, mm-hmm. It was that I would complete these two courses that mm-hmm. uh, would teach me the fundamentals of proper app development because I was only well versed mm-hmm. in like the behind the scenes of Android development. I didn't know mm-hmm. what upfront looked like, so uh, okay. I, I did those two courses to really teach me that. Um, and uh, yeah, so no but, more spaghetti code. <laughs> no more. Well, I mean, yeah, still I more mean, <laughs> spaghetti code, but at yeah. least like the spaghetti looked somewhat normal. It's uh-huh, like uh-huh. <laughs> the first time you cook spaghetti versus the third time you cook spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. Um, they wanted me to achieve that third level state before I started working for them officially, and that's mm-hmm. why it was conditional. But uh, yeah. of course, like uh, when they when they called me to offer me the position, they're like, "Yeah, like we know it's going to be tough, and like we mm-hmm. know you're going to accept this offer because that's uh-huh. what you accentuated during your interview." But uh-huh. we're getting you to do these courses during your exam season. Because you mm-hmm. have to finish this before you start working for us, and you work for us yeah. January sixth. Mm-hmm. Which, if you don't work on it during your exam period, gives you about two weeks to complete courses that are designed to take a few months. And I was like, Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna don't do it. I was like, I don't. Yeah. I was like, I don't even care. I was like, I'm, uh-huh. I, like you know, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And the fact that they had that faith in me uh, speaks mounds about the people in charge of that company who made that decision to sign me on. Mm-hmm. No, it's something I was going to say, actually, is you were just kind of pointing yourself down, saying, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, just, like, oh, there's probably, like, uh, it's less impressive because they just hired me because I had heart or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, like, I totally disagree with that. I think uh, <laughs> something that I talk about or, like, I think of all the time is, like, you can always teach someone new content. If someone's, mm-hmm. like, doesn't know something, you can, as you said, you can always teach them. They can always take more courses. Mm-hmm. But, like, how, like, the passion that they have, you can't teach a kid passion. Yeah. You can't teach a kid, like, how to work hard, how to be goal-oriented, how to be competitive. Like, it's that true. stuff, that's what you need to bring to the table. Yeah. And, like, 
you can always as yeah you can always learn new stuff it's the people who are willing to learn that like i'd rather work with than the people who already know stuff and think they know it all right exactly yeah actually yeah i I agree with that Mm -hmm. but um sorry maybe you can like continue on like how was that experience and i'm sure you've had more uh jobs since then right (laughs) yeah so um (laughs) yeah my my experience uh after that was uh a fun story. I actually, um, I I always I, like I solve Rubik's cubes. I've been solving Rubik's mm-hmm. cubes since I was a kid. That was one of my What's hobbies. Your fastest time? Up. Fastest time? Nine point six nine. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I'm a I'm a ner- I'm I'm one of the nerdiest people you'll ever meet. Uh, to be uh-huh. honest, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I always kept a Rubik's cube at my desk. Um, uh-huh. And uh, when I'm waiting for my code to build itself, I'll be solving a Rubik's cube. And I was it's learning like who finishes first, on the my job. Code or <laughs> yeah, myself. yeah. Well, it would always be me because I'm solving yeah. cubes at like 15 seconds at a time. But, and yeah. like, but uh, no, no, I kid. The the um, the experience was really awesome. My my mentor was like two or three years removed from graduating from college, uh, mm-hmm. from university, and uh, so she she knew like that struggle of finding internships what it's like and she really made sure that i would learn and i had full mm-hmm. autonomy of the work that i was doing and i was really learning a lot i was so scared within my first week and then after the first week i was like nah i got this like i, I know i'm in good hands i'm gonna learn i'm gonna learn at my own pace which is sprinting because mm-hmm. i always want to be learning really quickly <laughs> moving quickly yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. they saw that and they ran with me so uh-huh. um from that experience uh, the Rubik's Cube on my desk landed me my next job, which was within the same company because uh, their, at the time, director of product uh, was so, like, he's like, oh, my gosh, there's this little kid who can solve a Rubik's Cube really quickly. <laughs> oh, he always came by my desk, and he would scramble uh-huh. it, and like, he'd get me to solve it for him. And he started bringing people. And uh, uh-huh. uh, there's this one time I was I was working, but uh, uh-huh. it, was so, it was so awkward because, like, I was watching Animal Planet at the time because I keep it <laughs> on the side. But yeah. for like in that current moment, it was the only thing on my screen. <laughs> and director of product comes by with the CEO of the company. Oh my god! And I like pause the video. I'm like, oh my gosh, hi. I haven't spoken to you yet. My name's Aiden. And he's like introducing himself to me. He's like, hey, I'm Paul. He's CEO yeah. of this company. And he's like, uh-huh. he's like, uh, he's like, man over here tells me you can solve a rubik's cube really fast and i was like yeah yeah i can um and uh for some more context of the story the ceo is going he was having a bit of a stressful day and uh-huh. uh that director was like i know something i know something that could that'd cheer you up so he brings uh-huh. him over to me and he gets me to solve the rubik's cube blows his brains out because it's like oh my gosh <laughs> he solved it in under 20 seconds yeah and he's like wow he's like that's really cool but uh one or two weeks after that interaction, I wear my Bucks uh-huh. hoodie, this exact Bucks hoodie, and it says business yeah. and computer science. And uh-huh. um, that director of product saw my hoodie and was like, you're a business student? And I was like, yeah. Actually, he didn't <laughs> say that. He said, yeah. <laughs> "He said, what the fuck is Bucks? That's exactly <laughs> what he said to me. And I was yeah. like, uh, business and computer science. And then he was like, you're a, you're, a compu- you're a business student? I was like, yeah. He's like, why aren't you working for me? And he's the director uh-huh. of product. I was like, well, for I didn't want to say it, but I was like, I have no idea what you do. But uh, <laughs> I knew it's director of product, but I have no idea what that work was like. But he, was, uh-huh. I was like, oh, I didn't know product strategy had internships. And he was like, mm-hmm. he's like, y- you want to work for me? He's like, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, mm-hmm. 
don't know, let's go, go back to Vancouver and have fun. Maybe take a couple courses. He's like, you want to work for me this summer? I was like, yeah. I was like, he's like <laughs> okay, let's talk. Talked uh-huh. to him for uh, for maybe many hours. He's like, okay, like let's get this done. I got an idea of what he wanted to do. I realized mm-hmm. it was something that really aligned with what I wanted to do, which was uh-huh. make the product decisions on the software that I was building. Like the people who decide what features goes into something. Like um, there's a very long process behind that, and the product people are in charge of making sure all of that happens. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, like that's a really that's exactly what a Buck student is trained to do. Um, Mm -hmm. through our combination of business and computer science. I was like, yeah, like, I really want to do this. And um, so, like, I told my family, I was like, you know, I'm staying this summer. My parents were, like, they were so happy with my, like, with that, with my newfound success, like, they could care less what I was doing. They're like, yes, you want to stay for three years? Stay for three years. Uh But, like, no, (laughs) they, they, like, uh, I, like, told my friends and everything. And it was like, I really am very blessed to have gotten that experience because, I didn't understand how difficult it was to get a product internship because for the mm-hmm. people you're you're making million dollar decisions like for a line of code if you don't do it right somebody else can write it for you for mm-hmm. product decision if you do it wrong and it ships to market and it fails mm-hmm. that's like, you, there's not a lot you can do to fix that there are yeah. ways but it's a lot more difficult so um uh, that second internship was the most rewarding to me because even though I have decided ever since I am going to be a software engineer, mm-hmm. that experience really was the most rewarding because it taught me to think differently, not mm-hmm. solve for, you know, the optimal answer. The mm-hmm. Like, we're not solving for something. Mm-hmm. We're essentially making our best educated guest or guest, yeah. guest towards something. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, in a sense, hoping that it works out, but being able to prove that it's going to work out through uh, the work that we do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess, like, a big difference is this, like, no right answer, per se. Mm-hmm. Like, as you said, it's just educate guessing, like, I, I think this should work, but even if every sign points that it should work, it can always still it, fail. It right? can always still fail, and that's why there are a lot of products that sync. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, those two experiences, like, touching on, like, how my career has progressed since then, like, yeah. that's only two out of the four internships that I've done so far. Um, mm-hmm. The third internship was I actually returned to the same company um, mm-hmm. to work as a data engineer for uh, more, like, machine for like machine learning which is like a type of artificial intelligence like i want i was really interested in um uh using data to automate uh you know uh, decision making and that's what Mm -hmm. the company was doing at the time uh part of my reason to go back to the same company rather than look for other positions was that when i was leaving my position as a product intern um Mm -hmm. my boss was like hey you know anybody else that could you know, f- uh, fill in your gap. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I know, like my entire friend group could fill this gap <laughs> of being yeah. an intern. And uh, mm-hmm. I know one of my friends uh, was looking for an internship at the time. I was like, yo, you want to be a, mm-hmm. you want to work product at this super mm-hmm. sick tech company that I absolutely love? And of course he was like, yeah. yeah. It's like, um, yeah. I got roped him in. He, like, uh, he did a like killer interview. Everybody loved him. They're like, okay, like let's hire this guy. Um, mm-hmm. So he's there while I'm back in school. And then my yeah. buddy who's there loved his time there was like, yo, I'm going to stay and do an engineering internship with them. And I was like, sick. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yo, do you think we could hire my other friend? Do you know Denico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denico Espinola? So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so I was I was like, 
yo, you think we could get Danko a product internship there? He's like, uh huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we could. So I hit up my boss. Yeah. Um, uh, rope Denico in. Denico gets hired yeah. as their third product internship uh, intern shit. from from UBC. Yeah. And I was like, dang, that's crazy. And I wow. already want to return for a data internship. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna be all three of us are gonna be there. Yeah. And so all three of us are there from like this was last year, January uh-huh. from January to April 2020. All three of us are kicking it in Toronto, all working at the same company, yeah. all working uh-huh. on the same product that we've and we've each touched different parts of it. And it was mm-hmm. like a holistic experience. And all of that combined um really set me up for a future uh, in technology where I get to mm-hmm. say that I've understood things from the technical perspective. I've understood things from the product perspective and from the data analysis and engineering perspective. Yeah. And all of those, that's, that's like, that, that was something that I could never have dreamed about. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, all of those experience combined has really, it basically sums to me really loving the technical aspect of it and uh-huh. wanting to pursue the engineering side. Um, yeah. But, of course, when the time comes, and I know it's going to come where I want to shift gears, maybe go back into product, maybe silo mm-hmm. and data, I have mm-hmm. that experience ready. And yeah. every additional experience after that will build up towards whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. No, I freaking love this. Because if you remember at the beginning of the podcast when I asked you about like character traits and you were like, oh, one of my mottos is everybody eats. Mm-hmm. Like the, This is a prime example of like exactly what you were talking about, where it's just like, not only like once I get my internship, like I'm going to help my bros get him, uh, yep. his internship. And then we're both going to get like our other bro on this internship, and that way we all eat. Like, yeah. I mean, no, that sounds incredible, dude. I, I'm, I, I recognize that I'm in the position I am in because of the people who did the same for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I, I could say that the company that took me in, like mm-hmm. deserves a lot of that credit because they took me in and allowed me mm-hmm. to flourish. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I can say that I did flourish and then I passed the baton to the next person to do it as well. And mm-hmm. then passed the baton to the next person. And like a, like a fun fact, if COVID never happened, yeah, I would have been there with Denico still mm-hmm. along with three other friends. But yeah. unfortunately, it, it got it all got canceled because of COVID. But like mm-hmm. um, that was really when I came up with like when I developed that motto for myself, like everybody mm-hmm. eats. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I, I, like I, st- I started to understand I have a knack for really wanting to help that next person up. And, it, mm-hmm. and like I recognize this because I've had people who did that for me. And I continue uh-huh. to have people who do that for, for me to improve me. So I got to also be doing that for the next person that I could. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, as I said, that's just absolutely incredible. And just hearing the passion come from you, like, it just sounds like such an awesome experience that you got to have. And, uh, (laughs) no, it just sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, is that somewhere you're planning to work again in the future or? What's your future plans then? Like it's uh, my future plans changed a lot, yeah. you know, because uh, with the uh, like I would have interned at that place four times because I was supposed to return mm-hmm. one last semester for uh, for last summer's internship, but um, mm-hmm. of course, like COVID happened, I came back home to my family in Vancouver, and mm-hmm. uh, um, but had that not happened, I wouldn't have landed my next internship, which I came off of in December from. From September to December, I had the opportunity to work at Amazon, which is oh, a shit. large tech company, right? Massive. Yeah. And uh, um, 
it wasn't really a dream of mine to work uh-huh. for a top tech company during that time. Mm-hmm. It was something that I thought would have been really cool, but I wasn't gunning for it. But mm-hmm. uh, um, well, when I got like a li- that taste of what it was like to work at that tech company, I was like, this mm-hmm. is this is the sort of environment I really want to work at. I loved mm-hmm. my time at my previous company. Uh, um, yeah. Shout out to them. They're called Intersect. Um, they grew mm-hmm. me as a person, as an engineer, as a product person, as a data person. Mm-hmm. So many different facets. And like I, I learned from everything, every second. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, through that experience, plus my experience at Amazon, I recognized that um, my uh, my interest really lies on the problems that engineers solve at larger tech companies with problems with a much larger scale. Mm-hmm. So uh, coming out of Amazon, I was like, okay, I now know what it's like to do this at a small tech company, a large tech company, and a large tech company like Amazon. I want to see how mm-hmm. another large tech company does um, this sort of thing. So um, uh, about like, uh, I'm very fortunate uh, about like three weeks into my internship with Amazon, my manager was like, um, they saw that same fire that Intersect saw on me. And mm-hmm. of course, like this time around, I'm qualified to do the job, yeah. <laughs> to have the hard skills and the s- soft skills. And uh, mm-hmm. they enjoyed me having there. And he was like, I would, he's like, I would love for you to come back. Like he was already telling oh. me, like, I-, I want you to come back to this team. You're a very valuable member. And, mm-hmm. um, that gave me the confidence to pursue other large tech companies that I was already applying for. But this new sense of confidence really pushed me to uh, work, to hone my skills. Just um, like gun for it. Yeah, really gun for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and one of those people who helped me up when I needed him uh, mm. happened to be working at Amazon. And uh, he graduated from UBC, also from the Bucks program. And I reached out mm. to him. I was like, hey, you remember what you said to me that one time? And he's like, of course I do. Um, and uh, he was, and when that same conversation, he was like, you ever apply to Facebook? And I was like, yeah, but they never give me the light of day because mm-hmm. they receive like a thousand applications a day for like yeah, yeah. the entire year. And he's like, I know somebody that works there. Let me sauce your referral. And like completely, uns- like I didn't even, like, I didn't even ask for anything or, or nothing, but like that part of him that just wanted to help me up is what motivates me to do the same for the next person right Mm -hmm. but um and coming out of that situation facebook offered me an interview i Mm -hmm. prepared for it the best that i could and that's where i'm going to be going to this summer as a software engineer intern but Mm -hmm. uh but in light of all that like that entire experience of being able to land that internship really Mm -hmm. pushes me to help really help the next person up because I was only doing it for Intersect but that was because it was kind of easy for me to I just had to message my boss like hey you want to take this person as an intern and he'd like yeah. check like check the funds and be like I think we could afford this guy <laughs> but um <laughs> uh, but also like like it's just that uh that you know uh we just love to see growth in people right mm-hmm. and I've had a, a like um wonderful opportunities with very many people who uh, mm. just seek a different perspective that I can provide, which has yeah. eventually landed them like their dream internships or whatnot. Mm. Yeah, no, this is awesome. Like I honestly, I knew you were like popping off in life, but like <laughs> this is crazy. Like I definitely did not know you were working at Amazon and like Facebook this <laughs> upcoming summer. Like, <laughs> no, big props to you, and uh, you really deserve it from everything you've told me so far. Like. 
that's absolutely amazing dude and yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're hella excited i am uh, like yeah. it, it really is like um now you can i guess it, it brings into light like when i really say like i would go through all that i did to get mm-hmm. me in the position i am today because it has molded me into the person that i am today i really mean that um so with all the successes that i have now there's also like um, it is tough at times uh, under the hood. Maybe I am landing these t- internships, right? But there are mm-hmm. still things that other aspects in life that are troubling. But I'm just very happy to say that, you know, from my concussion experience, that's definitely not something that I am working on still. That's something I've grown past. And oh. going past that means all of this. And for that, I'm mm-hmm. very grateful. Or right, Just checking, sorry, just since you brought that up. is So is there any still, I guess uh like is there still anything that you struggle from with your uh incident that you still struggle with today or or do you genuinely feel like you are physically and mentally like 110 percent so realistically i'm not like i i like to believe that i am but uh yeah so uh for one thing i'll touch on is my eyes um (laughs) i had three holes in my right eye two holes in my left uh every year (laughs) i have to get checked um and uh um Actually, when I was in Toronto for my first internship, I had to go mm-hmm. for emergency laser surgery because oh, uh, uh, um, there's an issue in my right eye. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be something that I face, I deal with for the rest of my life. I have mm-hmm. two permanent blind spots in my eyes because of it. And that's mm-hmm. uh, part, it's like partially because of the trauma that I went through with my head and my concussion, like, which led to my retinas detaching at a very young age. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, that's something that I'll have to deal with for the rest of my life. I have to be mm-hmm. very careful with contact to the head. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that I do deal with uh, on a weekly basis, sometimes daily, is migraines. Right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh. There is something called post-concussion syndrome, and, uh, okay, yeah. and there are definitely things that I face because of it. Migraines is one of those things. Uh, and mm-hmm. like, just to put it out there, like migraines are like headaches, but for a very specific part of your brain. Yeah. Um, no, I get migraines and I throw up every single time I've gotten one. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it, it's absolutely like, um, it's absolutely horrible. Like home, oh. like it's, it's some of the worst pain I've ever experienced next to yeah. um, the time I actually did laser surgery. That was the most mm. painful experience I ever went through. But mm. uh, um, aside from that, like uh, I... I try not to think that i am limited because of my mm-hmm. concussion but mm-hmm. there are times where uh you know it's quite evident that i'm not doing something as well mm-hmm. because um because like i'm i am maybe not as like i don't have the sense to do it as well mm-hmm. one for one mm-hmm. thing is balancing my sense of balance okay. is very off now okay um uh i it's it's a, a lot more difficult for me to balance on uh, one foot and that was a mm-hmm. large part of my rehab process and measuring how mm-hmm. well um, I would do things but like uh, or how well I was uh, um, recovering uh, still balancing on one foot is a very difficult task for me to do it takes me mm-hmm. t- like 200% effort to maintain mm-hmm. somewhat balance on my one yeah. foot do you still but play sports at all then or I do and like oh, well, okay. I, I, that's why I love to say I came back 110% because I got into the best physical shape that I had ever been in after that uh, whole concussion experience and like mm. um, I was told like if I didn't take my rehab seriously I, I probably wouldn't be able to you know uh, play competitive sports ever again and that was my mm. 
that was one of my dreams like crushed in that statement even though it wasn't mm-hmm. a reality yet but the yeah. fact that it could have been really hurt me um mm-hmm. but i needed to hear that so that mm-hmm. i had the motivation to bounce back hard to mm-hmm. and bouncing back hard at that time just meant doing nothing <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> after rest is a workout after yeah after rest mm-hmm. like i needed to work out um the different parts of my brain um the mm-hmm. different parts of my body to get back into physical shape mm-hmm. and um I'm very happy to say, like uh, one of my, mo- like one of my greatest achievements to me personally, I hold very dearly, is that um, mm-hmm. I was able to play on uh, what, like, on a team for Ultimate Frisbee called Alpha, and oh, okay. they're oh, considered they're considered the best in BC. Right? Yeah, they're considered um, the BC All Star team. Yeah, um, holy shit! But like, the fact that I was able to make that roster to me is such a high achievement for me personally. And I hold that very dearly to my heart because I was never able to win any sort of championship playing sports in high school, which was one of my dreams. But at least I can look back and say, like, I was one of the best at something. Uh huh. No, that's that's absolutely crazy. <laughs> I, I'm. I, I swear, as this episode goes on, there's just, like, more and more <laughs> things that I'm like, wow, you're actually such a cool person. Like, oh, you were saying you. before, like, oh, I always want to be the coolest on top of the world kind of person. That's uh-huh. that's how I see you right now. Oh, like, man, uh, thank you. you. Like, school, <laughs> yeah, school, sports. Um, and actually, I guess, last little thing about you is, like, uh, you, you're into music as well. Uh-huh. Uh, you dropped a mixtape last year. Yeah. Uh, I think very end of last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, how'd you where'd your music inspiration come from i think you briefly mentioned your brother does some music and just like why why the mixtape (laughs) and just how much did music influence your like i guess recovery and stuff like that Uh uh-huh huh um yeah so uh for for one thing my mom's a music teacher um for uh for school uh, mm-hmm. Though that doesn't play a huge part of like me dropping my mixtape or whatnot, but it did mm-hmm. play a part in me being surrounded with by music a lot growing up, um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, my music influences like I dropped a mixtape and it's very much like a melodic rap slash hip hop. But um, my mm-hmm. influences from that come from my time playing sports and sports is the sports I was into like basketball was very heavily tied to like rap and like like the influence of rap and hip hop every mm-hmm. basketball practice warm up everything you're going to be hearing some sort of hip hop um mm-hmm. so uh um being uh growing up with that sort of environment uh until i got injured i really put out my love for rap slash hip hop um mm-hmm. i started actually to create my own rap slash hip hop beats uh mm-hmm. when i was in grade i think grade 12 either grade 11 or 12 Um, But my ability to do so was because, I mean, I grew up a standard Asian and played piano. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. And like actually touching back on my concussion, I had no idea I had stopped playing piano because of my concussion. Oh, like I had like like, I was taking lessons like consistently uh get my concussion, completely stopped it. It took me maybe it was maybe a year afterwards where Mm -hmm. when I realized like, oh, my gosh, I stopped taking piano piano lessons. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like I haven't seen my teacher in like a year. Like, uh-huh. and my mom was like, oh yeah, you're right. your teacher actually moved to Hong Kong. And I was like, <laughs> I was like mind blown. I was like, oh my gosh, I stopped taking piano lessons because it was such a natural part of me until I got hit. And uh-huh. um, of course, like I, I literally had no mental capacity to think about certain things. 
that mm-hmm. I had no idea I stopped playing piano, but uh-huh. my music, um, I was able to grow uh, musically through my school. My school is a very, uh, it was really, it has a really renowned like jazz program. Um, mm-hmm. And it was because of the instructors there. One of the instructors was uh, very well known in BC. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I grew up, I loved, like, I loved, the idea of like electric guitars and whatnot and the closest thing i could mm. learn in school for it was bass so i played the upright oh, bass yeah. and electric bass which led mm-hmm. me to playing in the jazz program and mm-hmm. um i struggled very hard after i got hit to do mm-hmm. anything musical but yeah. i did work very hard to get back into it and one of uh, one of my great accomplishments in that was i made the top band uh, the top mm-hmm. jazz band of the um, of our school, uh, we call mm-hmm. it like jazz band A, um, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, uh, um, I got to play as part of BC's honor band for vocal mm-hmm. jazz. So I was invited to be a, a jazz bassist um, for the for BC's honor band. I forget, but it was like a vocal jazz ensemble. <laughs> I got to perform in front of every of like all the teachers all the music teachers at their conference and um that was a really cool opportunity um but learning jazz is how i became very musical because it's not like classical where you read sheet music and you know you sort of uh, reproduce your own rendition of what's on the page for Mm -hmm. jazz it's a lot more free where it's like Mm -hmm. you are reproducing what is on the page but you don't have to you could go your own way and yeah. I was able to uh, play bass to the point where, like, I don't look at my sheet music because whatever I do comes off the top with my knowledge, with my musical knowledge of what mm-hmm. the, of like the song structure, chord progression, um, the scales, mm-hmm. the arpeggios, the chords that I know in my brain. Um, a lot of that is what allowed me to start making beats when I was in high school mm-hmm. because, uh, what like a lot of producers will take snippets, samples, or like online, sn- like audio files, um, yeah. and like create a beat out of them. For me, like I was able to freestyle my own samples on the piano mm-hmm. or like with whatever like instrument that I wanted, I could program my computer to create it and I would play those melodies. And uh, mm-hmm. um, that was really cool to me because I know like that's what the top producers do at times. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, they'll come up with their own sample, like with their own melodies and harmonies and uh, structure and create a song out of it. So uh, I never was into the rapping side of things until uh, I challenged myself. Like, you know, like I've been creating beats for a while. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say that I put something out there. I want to be, I want there to exist like something that I can look back on and think back mm-hmm. like, dang, like I really did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, like mad props to my really good friend Evan, right? He uh, yeah. he studies music at the okay. University of Toronto for jazz performance and drums. And oh, uh, wait, I I thought he was part of your book. Uh, oh no! And ears. Oh, that's oh, a that's okay. a, that's a different Evan. Different Evan. Yeah. Oh, not to okay, be confused. Cool, cool. That that's one. That's uh, we like uh, we actually whenever we saw them in school, we would call uh-huh. one Evan Wang and the other Evan Ning because that's their last names. So oh. when, we didn't call one Evan. It was always Yo Evan Ning or Yo Evan Wang. Oh, um, okay, okay. That, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, like, yeah, actually, a lot of people still get confused about that because we're uh-huh. all very much connected. Um, okay, yeah, 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 but my other friend, Evan Inks, studies in, at yeah. U of T for jazz performance and drums. And uh, uh-huh. he's also really, he's, 
he's such a great music like musician as a whole like mm. uh like shout out to him he actually um he signed with a company recently and he's producing stuff for them with them yeah. um which mm. is really awesome but uh he's like yeah you should he, he really encouraged me he's like you should do this like you only you're only like this age once and to be able uh-huh. to say that you did something like that in your past is something you're never going to regret hopefully mm. um so yeah. i was like yeah like, like let me take this on i curated my own beats i wanted or created my own beats i wrote my own mm. lyrics for the most part mm. and uh yeah. i self-recorded i learned to mix and master my own vocals and my beats mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. etc even though it's not like a hundred percent like it's not like industry quality as some might say yeah, but yeah. it was like it was i wanted to say that i was able to do it uh-huh. so um that's what i pursued and that's how my mixtape came about oh okay yeah no let me know if you ever need uh a rap verse or something oh yeah <laughs> the, I can, well, i'm always in well, need of something to s- switch yeah. things up yeah yeah no but that definitely for me when i first saw that i was like oh i felt like that came out of nowhere i was like mm-hmm. once you once you release that i was like wow this is awesome like aiden's actually so multi-talented and uh actually just like for me myself like this year that's something i've been trying to work more on is actually some like music production so hearing that like you did some of that i'm like damn i'm i'm highly impressed well i mean um, like like uh, at the start you said you you had seen some of my things from the side like that's some of the things i'd seen from the sign that you do like i know you do <laughs> I know that you do music like um and like I've seen your covers like I've seen your, mm. your like your your dance freestyles and whatnot yeah <laughs> but no I st- still I think everything you're doing I like I still have yet to release anything actually big so I've as I said like doing it doing it and like actually releasing stuff are like two totally different things and no mm-hmm. I'm just really impressed and sorry so is was you mentioned before that like um before like coding was your escape your form of therapy mm-hmm. and like uh but then you said now you're at a point where that's not your only escape so mm-hmm. would you say like music is one of them and what else would that be yeah so music is most definitely one of them music i would mm-hmm. say is one of my uh it's most definitely one of my ways to vent like to lift mm-hmm. uh some emotional stress um mm-hmm. and like to touch really quick on that it's because like um my idea of the mixtape was I want it to be completely ridiculous, nonsensical, mm-hmm. like satirical of what modern day rap is now like. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, of course, my auto tunes turned up to 100 uh, <laughs> percent. Yeah. As I was creating those songs, I really um, felt moved to uh, put something more personal in there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I started to tell the story of where my headspace was at at the time mm-hmm. that I was writing those songs. Um, so I would leave, so like the latter half of my mixtape is a lot more personal and I mm. talk about things that I was struggling with and ideas mm. and thoughts that were swirling around my head. And I continue mm. to do that now. That's what my, my future music will continue to be nonsensical and it'll come out in a very satirical way, but yeah. it'll be underneath all of it will be some serious themes that I, mm-hmm. You know, I just put out there because it helps me cope with certain things that go on. Mm-hmm. So music yeah. is most definitely one of them. Uh, another one is my my friends, my family, those relationships. Mm-hmm. And like like I mentioned, when I was in my senior year, I cut myself off from a group of friends. Not that they're horrible mm-hmm. people, but like mm-hmm. they just weren't the people that I needed to be around. 
with mm-hmm. the things that they were interested, the things that they were doing. And like, mm-hmm. and I can say, like, we, I've spoken to some of them about it, the way that they treated me. And I can mm-hmm. say back the way that I treated them. It was very toxic. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, um, my friends were never really that escape for me, right? Mm-hmm. Or the fact that my friends were a part of a problem meant that I needed to escape from them. But to, mm-hmm. now, like, I have very fruitful friendships, one with my best friend, Evan Ning, and, like, mm-hmm. my relationship now, um, and, like, my friendships for the future and my family, of course, like, um, that's not a problem that I need to escape from anymore. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, and, like, uh, I guess, like, the, the last part of that, it would be my coding still, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's a little different now because coding isn't necessarily an entire escape. It's part of my career, but I found a way mm-hmm. to separate my career aspect of coding and my creative outlet side of coding that mm-hmm. I do continue to use as a bit of a crutch to keep me going. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of those is Dodios. Like I mentioned, the first version of Dodios represents mm-hmm. my journey since I got injured. Um, mm-hmm. I will continue to create projects in the future that are so have some sort of that like monumental value to me uh Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's where i'm it it mainly revolves around those three things right now okay yeah no i'm just glad to hear that you've been able to find other ways to escape and uh like help just find other forms of like therapy i guess Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so I guess I've kept you here pretty long, uh, so we're <laughs> gonna start wrapping up here. Um, but uh, the last thing, the last question I always have um, on this podcast, as I mentioned, uh, it's called the Life License Podcast. Uh, we've looked a lot about into your journey and all the different uh, things you've been through. Um, so my last question for you is: What are three life lessons of yours? Three things that you've come through from all your experiences that you say like these are the three things I try and carry with me um, on into the future. I know you've mentioned some, so you can go ahead and repeat them if you want, but um, yeah, just three life lessons of yours. Yeah, well, I mean, like the, the two that I mentioned, like the first one was like everybody eats. That's that's one thing that I carry with me, like in every situation that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are most definitely situations that I can't help, but for the mm-hmm. opportunities that I can, um, mm-hmm. I will try my best to, you know, to act on it um, for the mm-hmm. bettering of myself and the people around me. Mm-hmm. The second one is like uh, work smarter, not harder, um, mm-hmm. because I found in my recovery process, too, it's that working hard leads to burnout really quickly. And that impedes yeah. growth for or mm-hmm. progress for a longer po- amount of time than if we go about things strategically. And mm-hmm. I'm still very much an impulsive person, but I can, like you know, I can act on my impulses in a more strategic way that t- makes yeah. like makes things, uh, you know, come out on top. And that's all mm-hmm. I could ever hope for, especially yeah. with school. Like I'm not an academic person. I can't sit down and you know grind every day for a scheduled amount of time. And I know for some people mm-hmm. that's their strategy to success. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for me. So mm-hmm. I work a bit, I work smarter in my own way. You know, I bide my mm-hmm. time when I can. Um, even if it means I don't do as well as other people, I know it's what works for me and it allows me to spend my time and energy in the places that matter to me more. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, now I actually have to think about a third one though, because uh, <laughs> the, those two are... Um, something that i really resonate with yeah um 
I think like I don't have a good motto for it, but it's uh, I also mentioned this before, but it's like uh, to be able to help others. I truly believe that helping yourself matters more. Okay. Um, so uh, this, I guess, would tie into uh, my other two points, but it's like um, I fundamentally believe that in most situations I need to help myself before I help others. And mm-hmm. it's partially because like um, you need that sort of self-security before you can mm-hmm. go out there and, you know, fight battles for other people with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, there are battles mm-hmm. that everybody faces on their own. And I do believe that like um, when you can come on top for most of your own personal battles, it will definitely help you come on top with the people around you. So uh, mm-hmm. self-care is very important in that sort of a sense. Oh, yeah. No, I I really enjoyed all three lessons that you mentioned. And as you said, two of them were ones that you were constantly showing throughout the different stories and kept coming back to. And it's really nice to see how you're, you've been able to implement those lessons and how they've kind of transformed you throughout uh, your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the very final thing is just from me is um, I like to, do, at the end of every podcast, I like to give away what I call a friend award. <laughs> um, similar to what you were talking about, how like sometimes it, like the people who you surround yourself really matters. Uh, and I find like the people I tend to, uh, that people tend to emulate the people around them. So it's like important to surround yourself with people who motivate and inspire you. Mm. Um, so although we haven't spoken before this, I just still want to commend you for being such an inspiration um, from your background story and everything you've been through, which honestly, at the beginning of this podcast, I asked you like, oh, uh, the whole idea of Sonder and you're like, oh, I don't think my life's a movie or anything. Like this whole mm. story, your whole life sounds like a movie, <laughs> bro. Like this is everything you've told me so far is insane. Like from a crazy story to all your recent accomplishments in like all different aspects of like sports uh, on Alpha, like uh, mm-hmm. music with your mixtape, CompSci with Amazon and Facebook, everything you seem to do like it really sounds like you're a very goal-oriented person and you're always reaching your goals. And I think that little goal you had as a kid of like I want to be on top of the world and one of the coolest people out there like I really feel like you've accomplished that and I'm just so happy listening to all of the stuff that you've been doing um so I just want to say like thanks for just being an absolute inspiration um and I think just like if I wish I just had like half the passion you did no and I'm way, sure like man. I'd be able to do great things too man well but, um yeah, I'm just nah, excited to see what you have. Yourself, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to see what you have in 2021, and like, best of luck with things, dude. Nah, thanks for having me. I, I of course, like I always, um, like I always enjoy these opportunities to share my story. Um, mm-hmm. and just if it inspires one person, like that's really all we could ask for, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah. So just final thing is like, is there anything you want to plug? I know you've mentioned a couple projects here and there. Maybe I'll put a little bit of your mixtape at the end of this episode. <laughs> but um, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'd love to plug the mixtape that I uh, released a while back called "Microphone in the Basement." Mm-hmm. Um, behind all my cringe rapping and whatnot, uh, the story that I tell is it's based on what we talked about today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on top of that, I just released a new song called What the Beans. It's out now on all streaming platforms under my my music alias, Bonnie B. And yeah, I'd stay on the lookout for the next song that I have with Marcus coming up. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, I'll be sure to link your Spotify and stuff in the description. And yeah, we were just talking offline about collabing on some music in the future. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, but yeah, that wraps up this episode. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at Life Leasons Podcast. And other than that, thanks again to Aiden for being on tonight. Hope everybody's enjoying the sun and staying safe. And we'll leave you now with Aiden's newest release, What the Beans, which can be found on all streaming platforms. Bye. What the beans on? Tell me what you mean. Vibing. My life be like a movie scene. Sometimes I rock designer. Sometimes my fits be playing. I got 500 yeah. things on my mind. I ain't been the same. the best of me they all just clowns i just see an enemy yeah. i'm head of the pack yeah i never sleep when i'm running the game i don't ever sleep my biggest key is my energy stay on track to make history claims that i'm off is a mystery i don't know why you stay dissing me run up on me and i'll let you see it's just my way of life everyone in my squad gets to eat uh. with the beans oh, tell me